Westwood United Methodist Church is a Christian community that welcomes all people and focuses on becoming and making disciples committed to justice, kindness, and walking humbly with God. We welcome and affirm our ministry with all persons, regardless of age, race, ethnic origin, economic status, ability, gender, marital status, or sexual orientation, from first-time visitor to lifetime member. We seek to understand and carry out God's will, bearing witness to Christ's compassion and embracing the movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We affirm that a God-filled perspective understands and embraces diversity and radical inclusivity. For that reason, we embrace and affirm the full inclusion of everyone, regardless of sexual orientation or gender identity. We explicitly welcome lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people who've been marginalized and diminished within the larger United Methodist tradition. We commit to embracing the responsibility of pushing for a more open and inclusive United Methodist Church. You are welcome here. You are supported here. You are included here. I'm Reverend Molly Vetter, the senior pastor at Westwood United Methodist Church in Los Angeles, and it's my joy to welcome you back for episode four of our podcast series, Where Do We Go From Here, UMC. The words I read at the beginning of the episode are a part of our congregation's Reconciling Ministries statement. Crafted and adopted by our church, they help form our identity and the values of our congregation because we believe that the gospel calls us to be people of inclusion, we work to change the church. And in this moment of our United Methodist Church, when the general conference has been further delayed until 2024, and it's impossible to change the statements in our book of discipline, we believe that there is still work for us to do to move the church forward, starting from our local communities. I'm thrilled that for this episode, I was able to interview Bishop Karen Olivito, elected to the Episcopacy in 2016. Bishop Olivito serves in the Denver area as Bishop of the Mountain Sky Annual Conference. The first out lesbian bishop elected and commissioned in our denomination She served prior to election as a bishop as the senior pastor of Glide Memorial United Methodist Church in San Francisco. Not only as an out lesbian, she also was the first woman to serve in any of the largest five congregations in the United Methodist Church in the U.S. Bishop Olivito's mere existence is a witness to the Holy Spirit's movement calling and equipping all persons for ministry. And I'm thrilled that she took time to sit down with us to think about what it means to be people called to work for full inclusion in this moment in the life of our church. So I invite you to jump in with me to my conversation with Bishop Karen. Thank you for taking time to talk today. I um, am continually grateful for your leadership in our church and Every time I see your name, you're doing something, a value that speaks of the gospel that is such a gift to us. Your mere being does that, but your words so often do too. So thank you. I appreciate your taking time out to talk to our congregation and anyone else listening. I I hoped that we might talk a little bit about the why LGBTQ plus inclusion is important to the church. And so from your position, Um, I wonder if you see where the value lies or like, why do you persist in giving yourself and leadership in this denomination that still has 
a ways to go. Yeah, it certainly does have a way to go. First, thank you so much for this time. Always great to see you and wish we had a lot more time than we're going to have. It's really personal for me in one one sense, but um, in another sense, it's a gospel mandate, right? I mean, it's inclusion. And here's the thing, whenever the Holy Spirit shows up in the gospels, whenever the Holy Spirit shows up, the community widens. It never shrinks, right? The doors are literally busted open. And, and so we continue to make our box of community too small. And we in the United Methodist Church have actually legislated how small we're going to make it by literally legislating against a whole group of people like me that says we can't have a valid ministry from God. Our our very being is incompatible with Christian teaching. And so let the Holy Spirit do its thing. Let the Holy Spirit breathe in in our church again. And what I love is once you focus on one group of people, you start to see who else you're leaving out. You know, I, I, I served one church that had been had been inclusive of LGBTQ people for decades. I mean, decades before there was even a reconciling movement. And when we really dug into it, we realized, well, you know, we are leaving out people who have disabilities. You know, people can't come into our sanctuary. They can't come into our sanctuary because we've 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 built a, a community box that doesn't include them. And and I think that the stairs so, work for us, so it never right, really right. So it works for everybody, right. right? Or well, that ty- I can read that typeface, you know. So why can't everybody? Or I can I can hear without a microphone. Why do I need a microphone? It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about who else is sitting out there, and where are we creating stumbling blocks or creating doors uh, and walls where there where it should be open. Yeah. So I, I just think it's. It's a really exciting thing when communities really dig into that word inclusion. The, um, if you're willing, I'd love to tell a little story. My yeah. son, Jonah, is 11 now. On family road trips, we like to listen to Radio Lab. He's old enough that we can, you know, sort of like wrestle with big issues in the world. Mm-hmm. We were listening to an episode on a recent trip that centered on the story of a gay man in San Francisco who saved President Ford's life. Um, and then was outed in the process. And as we were talking about it afterwards, um, it became clear to me that my son didn't know how anti-gay the policies of the United Methodist Church are, because he's been raised in congregations that valued inclusion. He's literally and metaphorically been held in the arms of queer kin since he was a baby. And he was appalled. He said, mama, that doesn't sound like the gospel. And then he said, why do you spend so much time going to church stuff if that's the kind of church we are? And then he said, if you're going to church meetings, it better be to change that. Uh, Which uh, is my like uh, playing in the back of my head constantly these days about how we are responsible for squaring the gospel we're preaching Mm -hmm. with uh, our values and our behavior in a way that makes sense to our kids and grandkids and the sort of urgency of lining those up, our understanding of expansive grace and our practice of inclusive ministry. Where do you see pockets of hope in the church right now? Well, it's funny because when you were talking about your son, I love that story. I, it, it, 
it's amazing how quickly we adapt to difference. We do adapt to difference and see it as something valuable as opposed to something strange, which it might feel at first. Yeah. You know, when I came to the Mountain Sky Conference, this, not sure this person is a real bishop. Um, yeah. A lot of people left. A lot of people were angry. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I visited almost every single church in my conference. I knew I knew they had to know me, but more importantly, as a leader, I had to know them. Um, and, and so, you know, some churches were hurting because they lost members when I came and, and we had to think of creative ways to support those churches. So in some ways we had the exodus that's happening in the larger denomination in 2016, but um, 2019 happened. So three short years later, mm-hmm. 2019 happened, the more restrictive language, even more restrictive, if that's even possible. And I had people writing from across my conference. How dare they? The church, the church I love is not exclusive. And I'm like, well, yeah, it is. You know, the, the thing is, we all have to come to terms and confess the church we love that helped us experience God's generous, wide, unconditional love is the church has made it an exclusive gift and 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 to see beyond ourselves and say we see the reality of the church but that doesn't mean we accept that we're going to we're going to continue to build something so that every child of God will know they're loved by a God that will never let them go. That's accepted. God made them who they are. And let's make sure they, they, and we can celebrate that fact. Um, My congregations listening to this and others listening in, do you have a sense about what we could do to be better at both um, including LGBTQ plus people in our congregations and celebrating them and uh you know that ongoing work of always widening the welcome beyond the people we know to include what right. what like what can a local church do in this so we're in a weird period of time where we can't change the rules at the general conference level um but there's a lot we can do yeah, right what do you think what do you see that can be done that would be helpful well one <laughs> let your young people offer testimony right? They are seen clearly in a way that the rest of us need to learn from. You know, they look at what the rest of us wrestle with in this church and they say, we, we don't get it. This is our lives, our friends, they're living such a different reality. And if, if we can help experience, if we can, if they can help us experience that in the church, it'll be a real gift. So that's the first thing. Let your young people speak their truth. Um, there needs to be visible signs that your church does celebrate LGBTQ plus lives. What most people don't, who aren't LGBTQ plus, what most people don't recognize and understand is that the church is held suspect. Mm -hmm. A queer person walking by your, most churches, Mm -hmm. maybe your church, I'll, I'll get to that point, would say, why would I want to go to a place where I'm not wanted? And welcomed, where I can't bring my whole self, because that's the narrative. Christian churches don't want us. Yeah. So what signs do you have so that when they walk by, 
Mm. And it's little, little cues. Like, is there a, is there a rainbow flag somewhere outside your building? Is there an actual thing that says this is a safe place for LGBTQ people? Do you celebrate the anniversaries of, of people who are in same gendered relationships? Do you do renaming ceremonies for people who are trans? Do you have do, do your young people have have LGBTQ plus role models for them to learn and grow from? Those are all things that that a church can do to to let people know they're loved and valued and welcomed and can bring all their gifts. And then and then keep asking the hard questions. Okay, we're we're not done with this because we keep learning more, but who else, you know, who else, who else makes us uncomfortable? And maybe that's the question. Who makes us uncomfortable? Because my hunch is that those are the very people God wants you to be in relationship with. Oof. Oof. You're making us work hard. Uh, You know what? Jesus never said, oh, you know, come to me and, and uh, it's going to be a walk in the park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a yoke, right? That was, was easy. A yoke. Not That's a right. Lean chair. in. Lean in. Lean in. Oof. Yeah. Um, I have enjoyed telling people about the story of your election from my perspective. Um, I I wonder if you would share anything about your memory of that season, that day, and what followed. Um, well, yeah. You know, people had for years asked me if I would consider the Episcopacy. And I, no, no, no. And um, I was really clear my ministry at Glide was done. You know, you get that sense. I've done what God wants me to do here. It's complete. But I wasn't, I had no indication of what was next. Yeah. And so I had some invitations to look at some things to um, and to apply for some things. And I would, I was always the number two candidate. So then I was thinking, well, okay, God, maybe you're telling me my ministry is finished and it's time to retire. Mm. But at general conference 19, when the commission was formed, I thought, well, maybe, 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 maybe this, you know, as an open lesbian of the fifth largest church in the denomination, maybe that's where my voice could be useful. I wasn't chosen for that either. But people started to come at me and say, we do think you have the gifts that the church needs for this time. And I kept saying, I, I don't want to hurt my church because I love this church. I don't want to hurt my relationship. Yeah. And so a couple of friends said, you know, we need to know by Sunday. <laughs> because on, no Wednesday, no on Wednesday, annual conference starts. And so we need to know so we could bring your name forward if you feel the call. Robin, my spouse, and I um, spent a lot of time discussing it. And I said, Robin, I'm afraid. Yeah. I'm afraid of hurting us. Yeah. I'm afraid of hurting the church. And she said, those Baptist roots came through. She said, perfect love casts out all fear. And I went to bed that Saturday night thinking, okay, I'm going to, I'll say yes to, and I woke up, oh my goodness, to the Pulse nightclub shooting Mm. where so many LGBTQ folks were massacred. 
And instead of fear coming up, there was kind of a resolution to, to let the Holy Spirit do what it was going to do. You know, here were people in my conference for a long time lifting their names up. Yeah. Well, I was the only one to get endorsed, came to annual, came to jurisdictional conference. And, and I loved Mark Calhoun was the kind of chaplain to the nine of us. And he really made it such a deeply spiritual experience for us. We weren't running against each other. We were in prayer. Who, who does God need? And um, I, I was stunned when, you know, my name was always number one. It was like, uh, uh, and, and when the election happened, it would just, the whole thing just kind of came to this natural conclusion of, of the election. But I have no memory at all of the consecration, hmm. none. And in fact, people said, wow, that at the end, when you were dancing on the altar. I was dancing on the altar? Yeah, I have no memory of that. And I just, I felt the Holy Spirit's presence in a way that just has changed my life forever. Yeah. One of my favorite pieces of that that 24 hour period between your election and your consecration is uh, hanging out in the hotel lobby bar area that night afterwards. Um, as you were elected, um, you know, but folks listening might not, that as it got closer, your name was always at the top of the ballots. And gradually, all the other people who were, uh, who we were voting on withdrew from the race so that in the final ballot, we could elect you together. And uh, so that night we were all hanging out in this sort of like, it was the hotel, bar, restaurant, lobby area. And my memory is that every time someone would walk through who had been a candidate for the Episcopacy, the whole like room would like call their name and cheer because everyone who participated got to be a part of this thing the Holy Spirit was doing in your election. Yeah. And it was like the community did it together. And it's so countercultural in uh sort of world of elections of opponents and candidates uh, to think about the possibility that a community could be led by the Holy Spirit to do a thing together and to um, allow you to step into this leadership role with the whole jurisdiction, the whole body support uh, on yeah. your side. Yeah. And, and, and all of us really on like Jesus side, right? Like right. at the end right. of the day, it's all trying to be obedient to the, what God's calling us. But and even the college, but even the college, I don't know if I've been told this because I have no recollection. Yeah. They all laid hands, which is not usually how it happens. Yeah. So it was this entire community saying yes to God. And yes, to this new thing that was happening. And I know other people who weren't in that room talk about it. And I don't recognize what they're talking about because we experienced Pentecost truly. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That was certainly what it felt like to me. And uh, so grateful for your willingness to step into that role. I know that it's uh, not been easy that you know, I, I know how much of that I struggle with how to belong in this institution with uh, 
it's exclusionary rules that I feel like are an obstacle to the gospel, but it's not my life that's on the line in this. Um, so thank you for being willing to be in this meantime leadership in the church. It's a real gift to us all. Thank you. Are there any final words or advice or guidance you'd want to give to regular church folks out there in this time of, well, I see it as both a time of waiting and a time of opportunity. No, we're living into it. I mean, the new thing is the new thing, not only, I mean, we, we have this new thing happening in our denomination, but we, but we have this new thing post COVID. We are a different people. And, and we saw things collectively from our couches that we can't turn our back on. And so never before has has our Christian voice been needed in the public square. And so let's do it. Let's build a church that is so invested in the welfare of God's people that others will want to be a part of it. Let's do it. Let's do this thing. Amen. That's a beautiful thought, beautiful plan to end on. So I want to thank you for your time today and for your preaching the gospel always. Thank you. Thank you so much. The gospel of Jesus Christ compels us to do the work of welcoming and including so that we can know and experience God more fully. I'm grateful to Bishop Karen for offering us her witness and insight today. I hope you were inspired by her words. And I invite you to come back again next week for episode five of our podcast, I'll sit down with Hannah Adair Bonner to hear and learn some about the roots of the movements that have led to the formation of the Global Methodist Church and the division as we are describing it in this moment in our United Methodist Church. I encourage you to listen to the previous episodes if you haven't already, to subscribe and like the podcast on whatever platform you watch or listen, and to join the conversation from where you are. It's good to be with you on this journey as we discern where God is calling us next as the United Methodist Church. Blessings. Blessings.